Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Why it matters on Money FM 89.3. You're listening to Money FM 89.3 with Adrian Abraham and Lin Li Fu. Time now for Why It Matters, and it is World Sleep Day, so it's only fair that we talk about sleep. Overworked and sleep deprived in Singapore. How can we actually nurture more productive workers? Before we get into the conversation, Lin, I know I struggle with this personally because, mm-hmm. of course, we come to work very early. It's very, very early. hard to get a good night's sleep. Do you remember the last time you actually got your eight hours in? No, not since I've started this job. <laughs> So usually what I do is have a routine. I do a little bit of work at night and then I'm on my phone and then I sleep maybe four to five hours at night. And then I try to make up those hours during the day. More often than not, I don't get those afternoon naps. So what I find myself is trying to catch up on sleep during the weekends. And then again, it doesn't always happen. So naturally, we are exhausted. Especially for working parents. Weekends are even worse sometimes because you got to drive your kids to one class or another. All sorts of activities packed during the weekend. But I want to know, what do you usually do before you get to bed? I'm on my phone and then I go into this rabbit hole going through Instagram reels and it never ends. And before I know it, it's like 11 p.m. and there's nothing else I can do about it. Exactly, right? For me, I watch Netflix Mm. and poor sleep is fueled by everything like that. From autoplay, streaming services, to work stress, to thinking about rising cost of living. And according to research by Sleep Seeker, which is a manufacturing firm, Singaporeans have also been found to be the most fatigued in the world. Yeah, so, you know, this is a very interesting discussion. So I took to the streets, actually, because I want to do some research, right, Mm -hmm. to find out just how much sleep people are getting in Singapore. Take a listen, because it is very interesting. Mm. I sleep on average about four to five hours per night in a week. Honestly, it's very draining. Get back home at around 10, and I eat my dinner around then, and then I have to wake up again at like 5 a.m. to go back to work. It's just madness all the time. You know, if I just had less work to do, I think that would be better so I can fix my sleep schedule. I feel sleep deprived because I sleep on average of like three hours every day. The reason why I sleep three hours every day is because of my schedule with work. It's not really the eight to six job. Yeah, so it's very tiring. I basically sleep around six to five hours because I can't sleep early at night. And then I have to work in the morning. It's auto every day. So that's why at times I always feel tired. So I um, start working like 11 a.m. in the mornings until like 11 p.m. When you come back home, it's when you are too much exhausted. So you cannot let sleep all. So that's why when you wake up in the next morning, you're not feeling fresh. It's about like six hours. But actually, sometime when I have like day off, right, I work continue like 10 hours. But I still like feel exhausted inside. Still like not enough for me. I don't really feel very overworked. Sleep for about five hours every night. It is true. People work ridiculously long hours. They don't have much time to sleep and they try and make it up, but it's more of a disturbed sleep as well. Well, sleep deprivation can also cause burnout and affect your health. We have heard of higher rates of heart disease to increased risk of cancer. All of this could ultimately lead to death. For more on this, we are joined by Tan Hui Hun, Associate Professor of Organizational Behavior and Human Resources at the Lee Kong Chan School of Business at Singapore Management University. Good morning. Hey, morning. Okay, before we start, we just want to ask you, how many hours of sleep do you get? 
for me, I get about six to seven hours a day on a good day. Good quality sleep? <laughs> Not really. I'm at an age where, you know, sleep doesn't come easily. So <laughs> that's my problem now. But I think it's um, when I was younger, I sleep really well though, I must say. Yeah, now we just don't get enough time to sleep. Prof, why is Singapore the most fatigued country in the world? I mean, can you outline a couple of factors that have led to this? So there's a study in our field called the Global Leadership Organizational Behavior Effectiveness Study. So GLOBE, all right? And GLOBE, interestingly enough, ranked Singapore number two among 62 countries in terms of this dimension called performance orientation. So basically, it says that, you know, performance orientation is about the extent to which a community of people are believed to want to strive and to do better, all right? And to always strive. So I'm sure you can understand that from a Singaporean perspective. We are always striving. We're always mm-hmm. working very hard. We always want to be the number one, number two. So I think from that, we can infer that, you know, inherent in each one of us is this desire to do well. Mm-hmm. If we do better than what we can and hence... Well, something has to go, right? So mm-hmm. if you work that hard, clearly that will have an implication on quality of sleep or the number of hours you sleep. So I think for me, that is one of the main reasons why. <laughs> so would you agree that a good night's sleep is good for business? After all, the lower the quality of sleep, the lower the performance when we are at work? Absolutely. I, I mean, I think this without doubt, uh, you sleep well, you function better cognitively and emotionally, I think you are able to control your emotions. All right. And you can regulate yourself more readily. So clearly sleep is very important. And it's not overrated like some people think, especially our younger folks. Prof, I'll be doing a survey about why individuals in Singapore feel overworked and sleep deprived. And some of their answers, actually a lot of them go back to this point of not being able to get enough hours. So, you know, looking at it, how can they better prepare themselves to make sure that they get a good night's rest? I think a lot of the sleep uh, therapists will tell you, right? I mean, you know, exercise, uh, make sure you don't have too much screen time before you go to bed and, and all that. But I think inherent in each one of us, I think we have to ask ourselves, what is it that we really want? I mean, you know, um, you have to, right? Because the younger folks that I interact with, what I really found interesting was that, you know, they are not spending so much time on work, per se, but on other things in their life. So, for example, some people I know have side hustles. And I think COVID highlighted the fact that, hey, maybe one income is not enough and maybe we need to find different ways of, you know, bring in the bread, so-called. So that's probably one. And um, I think, of course, some other younger generation folks, they spend time online doing all kinds of stuff. So they have to decide what they want to do for themselves, really. How do you suggest that companies or even individuals, how do we go about nurturing healthier and more productive workers, maybe have the right kind of approach towards the importance of sleep? I think what companies can do, companies can do a few things. I think there is a big move towards mental wellness now. So one of the things I thought about is, hey, you know, companies can, instead of having folks spend so many hours at work, all right, um, evaluate them based on outcomes rather than input, all right? And I think um, I, I just had class yesterday uh, with my undergrads and one of the key things they said about companies is they want companies that give them flexibility, that gives them autonomy. And I'm pretty sure our folks know how to manage their time better with the flexibility that's given. So in other words, don't expect nine to five type or nine to nine kind of uh, work hours. Build a culture where, you know, folks can balance all right, uh, mental health with the number of hours they sleep, with the work that they do. And in fact, to attract 
our younger, you know, workforce, uh, we have to do that. I think there's no going back to the old ways. Yeah, all about nurturing more productive workers. Prof, we've seen some companies actually have sleep pods implemented within their premises. And this goes a long way. I mean, I can speak from personal experience. We have a couple of sleep pods downstairs. And it goes a long way to just get, you know, that balance between work and catching a quick power nap. But should more companies really be doing this so that not just certain employees benefit from these measures? Well, it's very interesting that you talk about the sleep pod. I mean, you know, you can work both ways, uh, Adrian, in that, you know, if there's sleep pods, then I would spend more time at work, maybe because I know I can catch a quick nap somewhere in the office. So I don't know if, um, you know, it's good for a power nap, but it also maybe perpetuate the mindset that, hey, you know, I can be at the office. I think a lot of the folks these days do not want that. However, having said that, yeah, having sleep pods may be helpful. But again, you know, <laughs> I'm glad you use them, but uh, I think it can go the other way as well. Maybe it's not about sleep pod. It's about the fact that, you know, it's about culture. It's about whether supervisors trust their people, you know, instead of keeping an eye on you, making sure you're sitting in the office, um, working you that hard. I think we have to ask ourselves a couple of questions. Number one, what is the workload like? Are we over collaborating? Are we overworking our people? Number two, do give them flexibility. And perhaps for the younger folks who don't know how to do time management, work harder, work more with them in terms of planning out their work. Uh, for the older folks, they know what to do. Perhaps set them clearer goals and help them see where the balance can be. I think it's all about balance. Well, having said that, many organizations organizations, they operate on an always-on mode, right? We hear stories of companies even subjecting employees to heavier workloads, whether it's to do with headcount freezers or restructuring. Mm -hmm. What will it take for companies to, pardon the pun, wake up to the reality that sleep is not just important but vital? I think you look at long-term and short-term effects. I mean, short-term, yes, um, you know, working on people hard, all the changes in our current environment. Yes, restructuring, we know that people are worked very hard, actually. However, if you think about long-term costs of not having enough sleep, to your point earlier on that, you know, sleep deprivation is the cause, one of the many causes of heart attack, health problems, even not as good regulation of emotions and cognitive resources at work. And to your point, right, these things are not seen. It is not as obvious to all of us at the surface, but it operates at the unconscious level. So to, for them to wake up, I would not go down a route of saying the government has to do something, but companies have to relook at their culture and what they believe to be doing good by their people. Of course, this sounded so lofty and um, I'm not sure if companies really think so much about their people, but in the long run, a healthier workplace is also one where, you know, you're likely to retain them for a longer time. Staring at screens for an extended period of time. I mean, we do this every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, the majority of the workforce here can relate to it. But how much does it really affect a person's sleep? Well, I think there are lots of studies out there that talks about how screen time should be reduced or not, or should not be there at least an hour or two before bedtime. So I think there's plenty of evidence that reducing screen time and not having screen time is key. That is at the you know cognitive side of things. I think emotionally we can't help it, can we, Adrian and Lynn? I mean, mm-hmm. we before we go to bed we have to check that last email, check that last message. So <laughs> I think we have to do a lot of self-regulation. 
regulation. It has to be self-regulation for the individual and for the organization. Perhaps, you know, there are tools out there that tells people to take a break every half hour, every one hour. And I think if we truly look at ourselves and be more self-aware, we would want to do that. But that's something that we have to think about and to actively put into action. Talk about self-regulation. Maybe we dive in a little bit more. What more do we do as individuals? What more should we do to strike a work-life balance and make sure we get enough sleep as individuals? I think one key thing is we are at the age where we multitask too much. I think multitasking is one of the, especially online, you know, um, I know my students, they um, even executives, right? They can do three things at one time. I think that's one way to ask ourselves is, can we just focus one at a time? I know time is not enough, but time will never be enough, right? So ask ourselves, what is it that I'm really trying to accomplish? Have a clear to-do list, make sure we get it done by the end of the day and perhaps have someone check in on us. I mean, well, I spoke a lot about self-regulation, but having a buddy or someone check in and help us regulate, I think that's also helpful. Well, sleep day should be a public holiday. <laughs> ah, I agree, absolutely. Absolutely, I feel that. I mean, we get a lot of public holidays, but in the long run, we talked about taking power naps but could that be counterproductive as we get older and in the long run because as you said it might become a habit and then we might oversleep as well power naps are good i can see that happening with organizations so, okay so i do know that in current companies what they do is that they have a mandatory nap at lunch mm-hmm. all right so a company that no a construction company in fact they switch off the lights every day from 12 to 2 however the work hours are from 9 to 8 all right, so they sort of compensated that with a longer work day. So, in fact, I talked to a lot of people in this company and they said, we'd rather that they let us go to lunch for an hour, not enforce. They enforce a sleep hour and let us go home early. So, I think it's pros and cons. I mean, in some ways, um, you know, like the current company, what they're trying to do is to say, our oh, people need to sleep and that rejuvenate them. However, I think the key still is to give people flexibility and for individuals to also then do some self-regulation on their own. So, I know it's a long way from your question on power naps but (laughs) I do know of companies that do that there are pros and cons and at some point uh, we're at the age where people want autonomy people want flexibility and we should trust them enough to allow them to do what they think is best for themselves all right on that note thank you very much associate professor of organizational behavior and human resources Tan Hui Hun there from the Lee Kong Chen School of Business at Singapore Management University thank you Thank you too. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.